Letter sixty of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Sir Alexander Duff Gordon, April eighteen sixty five. Dearest Alexander, Yesterday was the Bairam, I rejoice to say, and I have lots of physic to make up for all the stomachs damaged by Ramadan. I have persuaded Mr. Fowler, the engineer, who was with Lord Dudley, to take my dear little pupil Ahmed, son of Ibn Mustafa, to learn the business at Leeds, instead of idling in his father's house here. I will give the child a letter to you, in case he should go to London. He has been reading the Gospels with me at his own desire. I refused till I had asked his father's consent, and Sheikh Yusuf, who heard me, begged me by all means to make him read it carefully, so as to guard him against the heretical inventions he might be beset with among the English of the vulgar sort. What a poser for a missionary! I sent down the poor black lad with Arachiel Bay. He took leave of me with his ugly face all blubbered like a sentimental hippopotamus. He said for himself he wished to stay with me, but then what would his boy, his little master, do? There was only a stepmother who would take all the money, and who else would work for the boy? Little Achmet was charmed to see Kair go, of whom he chose to be horribly jealous, and to be wroth at all he did for me. Now the Sheikh el Balad of Badia has carried off my watchman, and the Christian Sheikh el Hara of our quarter of Luxor has taken the boy Yusuf for the canal. The former I successfully resisted, and got back Mansur, not indeed in Kalumas, for he had been handcuffed and bastionadoed to make me pay two hundred piastres, but he bore it like a man, rather than ask me for the money, and was thereupon surrendered. But the copt will be a tougher business, he will want more money, and be more resolved to get it. Veramus. I must, I suppose, go to the Nazir at the canal, a Turk, and beg off my donkey-boy. I saw Hassan Sheikh al-Ababda yesterday, who was loud in praise of your good looks and gracious manners. Mash'Allah, thy master is a sweet man, O lady. Yesterday was Biram, and lots of harem came in their best clothes to wish me a happy year, and enjoyed themselves much with sweet cakes, coffee, and pipes. Kershid's wife, whom I cured completely, looked very handsome. Kershid is a Circassian, a fine young fellow, much shot and hacked about with the Crimean medal. He was Kawas here, and a great friend of mine. He says if I ever want a servant he will go with me anywhere and fight anybody, which I don't doubt in the least. He was a Turkish memluk, and his condescension in wishing to serve a Christian woman is astounding. His fair face and clear blue eyes, and brisk, neat, soldier-like air, contrast curiously with the brown fellaheen. He is like an Englishman, only fairer, and like them too fond of the corbash. What would you say if I appeared in Germany, attended by a memluk with pistols, sword, dagger, carbine, and corbash, and, with a decided and imperious manner, the very reverse of the Arab softness, and such a Muslim, too, prays five times a day and extra fasts besides Ramadan. I beat my wife, said Kershid. Oh, I beat her well. She talked so, and I am like the English. I don't like too many words. He was quite surprised that I said I was glad my master didn't dislike talking so much. I was talking the other day with Yusuf about people trying to make converts, and I said that eternal betis, oh, they mean well. True, O oh lady, perhaps they do mean well, but God says in the noble Koran that he who injures or torments those Christians whose conduct is not evil, merely on account of religion, shall never smell the fragrance of the garden, paradise. Now, when men begin to want to make others change their faith, it is extremely hard for them not to injure or torment them, and therefore I think it better to abstain altogether, 
and to wish rather to see a Christian a good Christian, and a Muslim a good Muslim. No wonder a most pious old Scotchman told me that the truth which undeniably existed in the Muslim faith was the work of Satan, and the ulima his ministers. My dear saint of a Yusuf, a minister of Satan! I really think I have learnt some Muslim humility, in that I endured the harangue, and accepted a two-penny tract quite mildly and politely, and didn't argue at all. As his friend Satan would have it, the Fikis were reading the Koran in the hall at Omar's expense, who gave a khatma that day, and Omar came in and politely offered him some sweet prepared for the occasion. I have been really amazed at several instances of English fanaticism this year. Why do people come to a Muslim country with such bitter hatred in their stomachs, as I have seen three or four times? I feel quite hurt often at the way people here thank me for what the poor at home would turn up their noses at. I hardly think a dragoman has been up the river since Rashidi died, but has come to thank me as warmly as if I had done himself some great service, and many to give some little present. While the man was ill, members of the fellaheen brought eggs, pigeons, etc., etc., even a turkey, and food is worth money now, not as it used to be. I am quite weary, too, of hearing, of all the frangi I never saw one like thee. Was no one at all ever humane before? For remember, I give no money, only a little physic and civility. How the British cottagers would thank ye for nothing, and how I wish my neighbors here could afford to do the same. After much wrangling, Mustafa has got back my boy Yusuf, but the Christian Sheikh el-Hara has made his brother pay two pounds, whereat Mohammed looks very rueful. Two hundred men are gone out of our village to the works, and of course the poor harem have not bread to eat, as the men had to take all they had with them. I send you a very pretty story like Tannhauser. There was once a man who loved a woman that lived in the same quarter, but she was true to her husband, and his love was hopeless, and he suffered greatly. One day, as he lay on his carpet, sick with love, one came to him and said, Oh, such a one, thy beloved has died even now, and they are carrying her out to the tomb. So the lover arose and followed the funeral, and hid himself near the tomb, and when all were gone he broke it open, and uncovered the face of his beloved, and looked upon her, and passion overcame him, and he took from the dead that which, when living, she had ever denied him. But he went back to the city and to his house in great grief and anguish of mind, and his sin troubled him. So he went to a Qadi, very pious and learned in the noble Koran, and told him his case, and said, O oh, my master the Qadi, can such a one as I obtain salvation and the forgiveness of God? I fear not. And the Qadi gave him a staff of polished wood which he held in his hand, and said, Who knoweth the mercy of God and his justice, but God alone? Take then this staff, and stick it in the sand beside the tomb, where thou didst sin, and leave it the night, and go next morning, and come and tell me what thou shalt find, and may the Lord pardon thee, for thy sin is great. And the man went and did as the Qadi had desired, and went again at sunrise, and behold, the staff had sprouted and was covered with leaves and fruit. And he returned, and told the Qadi what had happened, and the Qadi replied, Praise be to God, the merciful, the compassionate. End of letter 60. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.